All right. Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Well, that was weak. Good morning, Faith Fellowship. That's better. All right. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, be turning to Acts chapter 12. We're going to uh, shoot for finishing this chapter. I'm uh, convicted just listening to the calculations that Sam has been given for completing Genesis. I'm like, we're on the same track. <laughs> we'll be in Acts until the Lord returns. And so, hey, if that's the case, praise the Lord. That's fine. Whatever. Nothing wrong with that. It's God's word, right? But I do want to uh, just kind of, to, you know, let's, let's start trying to wrap this thing up. You know, one of the things that we've seen is kind of important is, is we've seen God's sovereignty. <laughs> and if we think about that, just in terms of his sovereignty and what we've seen there, we've just seen how he chooses what he chooses. And the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in, that's up to the Lord. And so ultimately... Uh, you know, we have no say so on that, but we always have him as an advocate, which leads me to the next thing is his proximity and the Lord is close. And the one thing that we don't ever have to be worried about is like just how that he's so far away that I can't feel him. Man, I love that he reminded Peter just in the middle of being in that jail cell, not the angel slapping him in the face and saying, hey, get up but even just the light that he put in there before the angel did that. Man, just this subtlety of how the Lord is like, hey, I'm, I'm here, I'm with you, I got you, I'm in control, it's okay. And now let's get on out of here, right? And the last thing this morning that we wanna look at is his authority. Because unfortunately, what we're kind of seeing just in terms of Herod is, Herod is, uh, as king, I understand that you're king, but boy, he does not answer to the Lord. At least he doesn't think he does. And we will see that he will ultimately answer to the Lord. But I wish that he had have lived a life where, you know, he would have humbled himself before the Lord. And the thing that you always have to see and just consider when you're looking at various uh, wicked rulers is that the Lord gives space and time for those individuals to make different choices. And oftentimes what you see is that they don't, they don't make those choices. Right. And even up against like, what do you expect the Lord to do when you're going to go up against the mighty hand of God? And so, man, listen, we understand that we need to humble ourselves, but I even want in little ways for you to just consider that. Man, don't wage war against the Lord. That's a losing battle. He's already won. So the only thing that you can hope to ever accomplish is defeat in that scenario. Right. And so our text is going to be Acts 12, 18 through 25. Let's read it, and then we'll get into it. Verse 18 says, Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to uh, Caesarea and there abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. 
and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghosts. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. And so our context, very simply this morning, is these are the final days of Agrippa. And it's important just for us to understand that this doesn't have to be like this. I could have been saying that this is Agrippa and here he had maybe a little, uh, uh, some bad decisions that he made, but he made it out of today. No, he's not going to make it out of the end of this chapter. And, uh, and so we need to kind of examine that. And I want you to understand something. It's very telling about this guy. And we know that, you know, the scripture says that the spirit of Antichrist uh, already is in the world. And so I just made a kind of a slide for you guys just to see these contrasts between the two of them. And so uh, if we look at this, Herod kills and imprisons, and we see that in verses one through six, but then Jesus gives life and liberty. We see that Herod sacrifices the guilty, verse 19, of the keepers. Yes, those men, he had asked them, hey, where's Peter at? They don't have an answer. <laughs> they're the jailers. They should have an answer. Yes, they're guilty to some degree in his eyes very much, but should they have been killed for it? Well, no. But he does. That's what he does, right? But I love this point there that Jesus, as Herod sacrificed the guilty, Jesus sacrificed for the guilty. Boy, just in terms of an opposite, incredible, right? Herod desires war. In verse 20, we'll kind of see that. Jesus is peace. Herod sits on a throne on earth, and Jesus sits on a throne in heaven. And Herod was seen as a God in verse 22, but Jesus is God. Herod tries to stop the spread of the gospel, verse 24, and nothing can stop the plan of God. And so, and the last one, Herod tried to stop this. Oh, that was the last one, sorry. <laughs> so now that we have seen a clear contrast of this authority, okay? So remember I said that we're looking at God's authority. Now, do you see Herod trying to enact his authority as if he is God? as if he has the same power structure. He does not, right? And so we got to see how this thing comes to an end. In verse 18, it says, Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And that phrase is very interesting, as soon as it was day. There's only one other time that you actually see that, and that's in Luke. So now it's up on the screen here. Let's look at it. It says, and Luke 22, 63 through 71, and the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, prophecy, prophesy, who is that that smote thee? Boy, how disrespectful is that? Come on, man. I mean, really, that's really disrespectful. And many other things blasphemous, blasphemously spake they against him. As soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief of the priests and the scribes came together and led him into the council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And he said unto them, Ye say that I am. And they said, What need we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. 
And so I want you to take note in particular on this day. Remember, Herod's plan for Peter is to kill him. It's to make a mockery of him, right? So that's why he's looking for him. Today is judgment day in his mind. And so I want you to kind of in your head get this down. See, on the same day, that same as it says, that phrase, as soon as it was day, on that day, Jesus was judged and it brought reconciliation to the world. Peter on this day is missing. I love that. <laughs> Not having to endure the judgment of man. Why? Because he has a Lord that's looking out for him. And so he doesn't have to stand in the place that Jesus himself stood in for him already. Man, I'm telling you guys, you got to understand the Lord is incredible. The other bad thing about this, though, is the keepers on this day, they are put to death because of an unrighteous judge. And so there is something that is being judged and this authority that this guy is trying to enact, man, you just see the place and the heart in which it comes from. You see the disrespect that was given to Jesus, but then you see God's love for his saint and just sparing Peter of even having to endure that at all. And so now there, there's more to this. this. There was no small stir. You see that another time. That's in Acts 19. You guys know the story. This is when Demetrius, the silversmith. Let's read that. And it says, and up... He upset, he was upset by the dwindling prophets. The same time there arose no small stir about that way for a certain man named Demetrius, the silversmiths, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, you see and hear that none alone in Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying they be no gods, which were made with hands. Because remember, the silversmith, the, his prophet is, is he makes these, these trinkets so that people can take to Diana, like, oh, I got my little Diana with me. Uh, it's kind of like the little Jesus bobblehead thing that people sometimes have on their dash, right? Which is dumb, don't have that. But, uh, <laughs> but similar kind of thing, right? And so then in verse 27, he says, so that not only this our, our craft is in danger to be set at not, but also that the temple of the God, great goddess Diana should be despised. And her magnificence, no magnificence, should be destroyed. That's right, because she doesn't have any. Whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And so here's the thing that I want you to kind of understand from this. The Lord is seeking to disrupt the plans of men. Whether it's by preaching, whether it's by your deliverance. The Lord is putting you in things and circumstances and situations so that the Lord can be on display and you can see his power and not your own. And so now that's why you got to be okay in the situations that you're in. If he's in authority, if he's in power, he's in control, you don't have to worry. It's to his glory. And whether it's deliverance or whether you're going to be preaching and disrupting whatever, there's something that the Lord has placed you in the lives of all the people that you can think around you that don't know the Lord. Maybe they need to be invited back to church. Maybe they need to be coming back to Bible study. Maybe they haven't been. Maybe they don't even have the gospel. That's why you're there. The Lord is trying to disrupt their plans by you being there. So you as his agent have to understand what your role is. You have work to do. You are a disruptor. Man, praise the Lord. 
See, we kind of see that some more in verse 19. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and their abode. See, when he sought for him in Psalms 37, 32, and 33, I love it. It says, the wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. So you got you to gotta understand, you're in the Lord's hands. If he's in control, or let me just back up all the way, if he is sovereign, if his proximity is close, if he is in control, you are in his hand. And being in his hand is the best place you can possibly be, even though the circumstances may try to tell you otherwise. So I'm telling you this, you got to wake up for the folks that's around you and you actually be in pursuit of the Lord. Because just hoping that they're going to get to something, uh, a better place or a better understanding without you opening your mouth, how's that going to happen? The Lord has inserted you there in their life. So that means you have something to do. This is why I can't not be thinking about the work that I have. I can't be having these off days at work where I'm just going to go off on everybody because now I just ruined the testimony of the Lord's being able to use me there. You see what I'm saying? This is why my work cannot be terrible work. It cannot be the lesser of work. That's something in my job and employer we kind of look at, right? We kind of talk about. I know every week, the last few weeks, we talk about discipleship. And it's good. That's why, you know, it's relevant. There is something that you, the Lord has placed in your lap, some individual that needs to hear truth, needs to see truth lived out. Are you aware this morning? Are you aware of that? I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to put any more pressure on you than it's already there. You are saved under good works. So you have to be aware and understand that you are there to help disrupt the plan that these people have for their life already, just by you telling them truth. And then they got to decide, right? That's the part the Holy Spirit's going to go to work. That's the thing that we've seen. It's the Holy Spirit that's been at work the whole time, everything that's been going on. But the thing is, is you are there. And the people that you have around you are not the people that I can see, right? They're your people. So how are you going to show them Christ? How are they going to know? How are you going to disrupt their plans? If they're on a train straight to hell, what are you going to tell them? How are they going to see victory in your life? Again, this goes back to the point that we always says that sometimes that the believer's face, their countenance is just so drawn up like a prune and nobody's going to ask you anything because <laughs> you look like them. Right? So where's your joy? Where's your message? Where's your deliverance? Can it be spoke of? Can it be mentioned? Can it be encouraged? Man, just... Visit that person in the hospital. You know how many people don't go to see people in the hospital? How much it matters to them? Like if you had a neighbor and you went to the hospital to see them, a neighbor? It, I mean, I'm telling you, people just, when they go to hospital, they just endure that stuff on their own. Coworkers, you inquire about what's going on in their life and you follow up. They tell you to pray about something. You say, hey, how's that thing going? Hey, maybe you should come to church with me. I mean, it's just that simple. That's all I'm saying to do. 
I'm not saying that you need to dress up like this and button up your top button and start preaching to them. I mean, it may come to that though. You might have to do that too, right? I mean, like that's, that's real too. But I just want you to be engaged. I want you to be submitted to the authority that's over you and not to feel like circumstances are over you. Those things are not over you. See, again, I would just repeat that takeaway. God wants to use us to disrupt the plans of those around us, whether it be by deliverance or by preaching. People need to know what's going on in your life. That's why they are around you. Those work friends, those relationships, man. Let's face it, you see those people sometimes more than you do the people at home. And so just consider this morning. Verse 20, and Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and, and, and Zidon, and, but they came with one accord to him and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And boy, this is really cool. Okay, so now this is gonna take a little while to kind of bring this out for you. This highly displeased, this is the only place that you will see this. If you look up displeased here, it's the only spot that it's right here. And so it says that this is to bear a hostile mind intending for war. Now, one of the things that's interesting about Tyre and, and Sudan in particular, they are coastal cities. They have fortified walls. In Joshua, it's the first time you see Tyre mentioned, it's called a strong city. I mean, these would be great cities to, to have to war against. And actually, I didn't realize this until studying it, that this would have been the second largest populous place that Jesus visited. Uh, so we're talking about a very, a big metropolis of a, of a city, a lot of traffic there, a lot of merchants, sailors coming there. Something else they were very much known for was their purple and dyes that they would get from some of their uh, sea creatures that they would harvest out of the ocean. And so their purple was like known throughout the world, like you want it from this place. Uh, and so this is a legit spot. So it's interesting to find them in this place, but, I, I, but just go with me here. Tyre, the name is a rock. It's a Phoenician city on the Mediterranean, very ancient, large, splendid, flourishing in commerce, and powerful by land and sea. So here now you see Herod is saying like, I'm, you know, kind of have an attitude for war here. And Sidon is, a, its name means hunting, an ancient and wealthy city of uh, uh, Phoenicia on the east coast of the Mediterranean Sea, about 20 miles north of Tyre. Now, these cities, normally are mentioned in tandem together. And in the gospels in particular, it's very interesting. So now these cities are cities that have, are more Greek in nature. And listen to this dialogue between Jesus and a woman that is requiring his help. This is in Matthew 15, 21 through 29. It's kind of long, but just, you gotta get this so that you can see what's happening here. So then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Zidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him uh, saying, send her away for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. Now, do you understand what he's saying right there? So he's saying to her, this Gentile woman, like, hey, uh, sorry, tough. I'm not here for you. I'm here to get Israel, right? Like, that's just what he said, okay? Okay, now, the rest of it. 
Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26, but he answered and said, it is not me to take the children's bread. The children being Israel, okay? You understand that? So like, I'm not gonna not feed my kids and make sure you eat kind of thing. Do you understand what he's saying? Okay, so now, then he goes on. <laughs> it, gets, it gets a, a little worse. He says, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Mm. And she said, truth, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Oh, good answer. Good answer, <laughs> such a good answer. Okay, verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it eat unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh to the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain, sat down there. Okay, so, so you see that interaction with her. I mean, he's like parrying her off. Boom, boom, boom. Nope, 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 nope. And she's like, Man, I got to have it. Because I trust that you are who you say you are or who I've heard that they say that you are, right? And he's like, man, great is your faith. Now, you see, now, okay, some of you are probably thinking like, there's something to that. Absolutely, there's something to that. Okay, let's le read the next account. Very important, Mark 3. In Mark 3, 8 through 12, it says this, and from Jerusalem and from Idumea and from beyond Jordan and they about Tyre and Zidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues and unclean spirits when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Very interesting. And he straightly charged them that should not make him known. It's interesting because did Israel do him like that? Not at all. Not at all. This is why the Lord is bringing this up again. So, okay, this is getting good. Okay. Jesus takes note of these two cities. And Luke is the last one. Well, there's one more. Luke 10, 13 and 14. He says, warn to thee, Corazon, a town in Galilee, Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, town in Palestine. For if the mighty works have been done in Tyre and Zidon, which have been done in you, they had great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, but it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Zidon at the judgment than for you. So here's the thing. These are cities that had humbled themselves in the presence of authority. And so in verse 20, when you see it says, and Herod was displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but they came with one accord to him and having made blasts, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace. There's no war for these guys. They're going to humble themselves right at that moment in order to have peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. So the king, he's king over Palestine. He has rule over this area. He can for sure and treat them in a, in a terrible way and, and treat them horribly. And because we know he's an awful cat, this is very much his MO. But you understand that they got peace because they humbled themselves to the authority that was over them. Man, listen, you got to get this. Submission to authority placed over me will engage the protection of God. Write it down. Because look, this is the areas... This is where we struggle, right? If, I, if, if I'm a, a, a husband, I have my dad, maybe he wasn't around, goes to my pastor, and I got a boss, I got the Lord. If I'm a wife, it's dad, pastor, husband. <laughs> you always underneath authority. 
if there are police, if there are mayors, if there's congressmen, senators, presidents, whomever it may be, there is some authority that you are under. So the Lord is looking for you to submit and that will engage his protection. I want us to stop thinking about submission as if it's a point of weakness. It's protection. These guys make it out of it. It seems like so ill placed of where it is, but the Lord is just trying to drop a dime on you just to teach you a lesson. See, in James 4, 6, it says this, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit your, yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. That man, listen, that is money this, this morning. Whatever submission you got to submit to that seems hard to do, I'm just telling you, do it. Because ultimately the submission that you're submitting yourself to now, and even to wicked Herod, the Lord still gave them the peace that they so much desired. That's incredible. So now does it matter who's over my head? No, it matters who's over their head. And if I submit to whoever is directly over me, I'm submitting to the Lord. And that's where my peace is going to come from. And so, man, I can relax. I can relax. I don't have to make war with my boss. I don't have to make war, you know, between husband and wife. I, now, the kids, this is a lesson we would love for them to learn a little earlier. But listen, I tell you what. They don't learn it well because you don't teach it well because you say stuff against authority. I'm sorry. Happy Easter. <laughs> Listen, you got to submit. You got to do it. At no point in time, submitting to authority over me has ever betrayed me. Not at one moment. Guys, I told y'all I've had bosses that if I could just push off the side of that building, I might've thought about it. I for sure thought about it. <laughs> I mean, just awful, yelling, screaming. One guy even got a little awkward and just, you know, names. I mean, and man, I gave him honor and I was the last person he laid off. And it's not because I'm awesome, but that's the thing. When you submit like that, you engage the Lord's power. See, the thing is, we always want to rise up. I got to be seen. I got to be heard. And you don't know who you're talking to. And I got to, you know. Don't, yeah, we don't know who we're talking to. I mean, why, who are you to know? <laughs> right? The Lord knows you. And he, she's, he sees you. Man, I'm telling you. Man, I pray you get that. It's just, I, it's just a little thing and a little spot. But these guys have been just showing a heart attitude of humbling themselves. Oh, Lord, I got to have you. He just called you a dog. Listen, I don't have time for you. You're not going to eat a, the, my children's bread. I got to have it. Give me the crumbs. I'll eat it up. Just I'll catch it on its way down. Lord's like, gotcha. She's good. Go back home. Man, for them to call out to him and say, surely this is the son of God. And then now be in this spot, even with wicked Agrippa, man, that is something to learn there. I'm telling you, that's uh, 
First Peter, I think it is, is a really good spot for you to look at about bosses. <laughs> First Peter chapter two, I think it is, yeah. You might wanna read that. Okay, so now, don't forget that takeaway. Submission to authority placed over me will engage the protection of God. You wanna see that this year. If you have trouble submitting, this is your year to start submitting. And because we're talking about authority, the thing that I want to make sure that you understand coming from away from this is that there's an authority greater than whatever is directly over you. And that's the one ultimately, if you are a child of God, that you will have to answer to. And so the, the Lord has placed you in that situation. So he's looking for you to submit. Right. If he's sovereign, he put you there. If his proximity is his proximity is close, he's with you. So now he's just trying to remind you who's really in control. It's him. Man, I'm, I hope you hear me. I be, there's a lot of freedom if we can learn this this morning. Verse 21. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And that arrayed, for those of you that haven't yet studied that out, just means clothes. But I'm here to tell you, arrayed in royal apparel is not enough. See, it says this, this is on uh, Bible, <laughs> this sounds super phony as a website, <laughs> biblehistory.com. <laughs> but I was looking at, at um, uh, Tyree, I'm sorry, at, at Agrippa, and this is what it says, listen to this, and I think I have it on the board here. Early in the morning of the second day of the celebration, the king presented himself to the people. He was wearing a garment made wholly of silver and of a texture truly wonderful. When the sun's rays touched his dress, the reflection shone out after surprising splendor. Uh, Joseph says this, that the people exclaimed that he was a god, little g, of course, and that the king did neither rebuke them nor reject their impious flattery. The crowd was so impressed with his lavish radiance that they acclaimed him a god. Doesn't that sound eerily familiar? I mean, so we know what the Bible is trying to make sure is making a connection for you in terms of Herod and being like the Antichrist. Absolutely, it's making that connection. You know that in terms of just the, the, the physical makeup of Satan is that he's made up of jewels. And because of the position and where he was, if this is God's throne and standing there, when the Lord would shine on him, he would reflect out, it was, it was beautiful. It's the same for Herod. And like an idiot, Herod falls for the same thing. It's like, I love the praise of men that comes my way, right? See, the beauty that we can cover ourselves in is nothing like the beauty that is provided by God. See, that's the thing that we have to understand about this. In Luke 12, 27 through 28, it says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? See, we must be arrayed in the garments that Jesus provides. And remember, we had talked at length last time, just in terms of not mixing the old and the new together. But here's one, let me add something to you that I didn't tell you last time. In Revelations 19, 7 through 9, it says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife have made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. 
for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. That's why it matters that you are arrayed in the things that the Lord has put you in. So who cares about that position that he has? Who cares that he's got from, uh, for any of you uh, Lord of the Ring nerds like myself, Mithril, <laughs> that he has on. Um, and what is, it's tinkling and it's shining. Brother, you are so dark on the inside. It's dimming the light that's coming off that uniform. So the takeaway is this. How you are arrayed should reflect whose authority you are truly under. How you are arrayed, how you are clothed, should reflect the authority that you are under. So I'm, so now you got to figure out, am I clothed in righteousness? What is my behavior? How do I do what I do? It's, listen, it, you can tell people all day long, I go to church. They can see right through. <laughs> They're already skeptical. And so there has to be something else more to it than that. That maybe I haven't even said anything about church, but just the way that I treat them tells them that the Lord is my savior, right? Like that's where we get a chance to make the change and transformation. See, that's why the Lord has deployed you in the various spaces and places that you're in, because maybe it's, a, it's easier to go to just for the status quo. If everybody's murmuring on the job, and me and Kenny can attest to this, being iron workers, it, once the murmuring starts, it, it's hard to end it. It's normally towards the end of a job and people are worried about whether they're gonna lose their job or not and all that. And now this boss ain't that and, that, and maybe they're gonna lay me off and this guy's a slug and da 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 da. And when you just play into all of that, you, the testimony out the window, how are you arrayed? But then when Easter comes, then you ready to invite. Now you're handing out tracks. Man, get out of here. <laughs> right? And that's probably what they said to you. Man, get out of here. Now listen, I'm just, I'm just telling you, this is how this works. You got to understand the opportunities that, that, that the Lord has given you. Everywhere you are, it matters. How you treat your waiter and waitress. Man, do you know that it's important to make sure you make eye contact with those people and just say thank you? Hey, I appreciate it. Every time, if the, cause you know, a lot of restaurants now, they got it where the, the water person is just bringing the water, but that's not your actual server. Every time that they fill it up, I just try to remind myself, man, say thank you. Hey, I appreciate you, thank you. Man, it's a small thing, but it's a thing that again, we just not good at. Because again, we, there's this entitlement that we just kind of have. We just think that everybody is supposed to serve me. I'm paying for the service, you should serve me. God help you, <laughs> right? God help me when I act like that. I hate it. I want to see people. When I'm at the hotel, I want to tell the cleaning lady, hey, thanks. But don't go into my room until I'm done. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Appreciate it. Can I get some towels? Yes, ma'am. All right. Hey, thanks. People, they respond awkwardly because they don't know that you see me. Yes, the invisible needs to be seen by those that are, are the household of faith. That's all I'm saying is, man, just open your eyes. Don't be sour. Don't look like a prune in the face. Be nice. Be courteous. Say thank you. I know you got passed up for that promotion, but that's because the Lord wants to make sure you're here on Tuesday, not at, not at work. Right? I mean, you just got to understand why the Lord is stopping certain things. Just be okay with it. That's where you're okay with sovereignty. 
man, the Lord is not an accessory. So stop just trying to make him like a keychain where you can fit him on the outside, you know? No, he's inside, in control. Not the accessory where I engage in, oh, look, Jesus. We want to stop doing that, if we're doing that. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're a holy, blessed, and highly favored. <laughs> Verse 22, and the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of God, not a man. We know this in Psalm 12, 2, uh, it says, they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. So listen, here's my thing to you. Be careful how you receive the praise of men. When you are teaching the word of God, there will be a, a Sunday or you're a Bible study leader, discipler, and at some point that individual may give praise to you. You better give God the glory. <laughs> it's only by him that you are able to not be fumbling over yourself saying anything. This is why we do it. I know it sounds automatic. If you said to any pastor in this place and you went up to them right now and just say, man, that was awesome. You did it. Praise the Lord immediately. And sometimes it looks like that it hurt them that you even said anything to them about it. I'm telling you, we, we know. Those of us who teach the word, every we know where that power comes from. So I'm just, I know we like flattery, but I'm telling you, be careful. Because it can put you in a place, a position of pride. And especially when you have a position, let's say like at work. Man, you want to be known as that person. I can go to that person. And man, you're just the best and da 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 I had to divert that a little bit because one of the guys came, he gave a compliment to me and he destroyed the current guy that's in the chair position. And I, I had to correct him. I had to do it subtly. Yes, I appreciate, you know, whatever you're trying to say, but man, like this guy is doing very well in the position he's in. He's on his way out, da 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 And just, this isn't time for you to go, oh man, they think the best of me. You are nothing. <laughs> Let me remind you. In uh, Galatians 6, 3, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Agrippa very much is deceiving himself. Brother, you ain't nobody. Go sit down with your little mithril t-shirt on. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5, let a man so count of us as the ministers of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful, guys. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of a man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Amen. Yet I am not here by, uh, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who both will bring to the light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. That is the goal. That's whose praise we want. Your praise, appreciate it. Keep it. I don't need it. It's not good enough. This is the one that matters the most. I want him to say it was good. I want him to be pleased. Because if he's pleased, well, of course y'all good. But if, he, if I performed and you thought it was good and he thought it was horrible, we have a problem, <laughs> you know? And so listen, this is the takeaway. Faithfulness is more valuable than position. So now, I'm, this is why nobody is uh, chasing titles in this place. Could care less. Could be fellowship leader till the day I die. I'm still shepherding this class. Right? And so what's the Lord looking for me to do? Be faithful doing that. 
faithful to shepherd. That's how you got to look at this. We're not fighting for some title, some position, some authority. Man, the space and place that the Lord has put you in and given you, man, you should thank God for that. Be at peace where the Lord has you. Don't keep looking for the next thing. That's a dangerous place to be because you know what? You're never content in that, in that space. Man, I want to be moved around as the Lord sees fit to move me around because then I know it's of him and he's going to be with me and it's going to be good, even if it's challenging, right? So the answer for you this, this morning in terms of how you look at authority, the Lord is looking for your faithfulness, not your positions. And not even the one he puts you in. He will demote you if he needs to. So be careful chasing that. Okay, verse 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and was eaten of worms and gave up, gave up the ghost. Ezekiel 28.2, you guys know it. Sam has been talking about this. I'm just looking at 2 and 9. But it's very interesting in terms of this. In terms of this this glory, this position, this proudness that is just on display for us. Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, thou sayest the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up and thou hast said, I am God, I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man, uh-oh, and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. And in verse nine, he says, wilt thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am God, but thou shalt be a man and know God in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Super humbling. Listen, you got it. This is super easy. Your takeaway here is never rob God of the glory that is due him. Don't jump in the way of it. Don't stand in the way of it. That's not your place. If people come to Christ, it ain't because you did it. Right? I mean, you got to understand that. If we have successful disciples, I don't get to look at Van or Rashawn or Jason or you know, Larry and other, you know, and just go, oh, look at what I did, man, please. <laughs> no, only by the grace of God that I didn't tear these guys' lives apart. <laughs> man, praise the Lord, right? I'm not going to rob God of his glory. And when I give opportunity and somebody wants to inquire more in detail, that's when I'm going to promote the Lord. This is what he has done. Man, look at how he's moved in this, this individual's life, the choices that they're making. Man, I, Serene reminded me of a situation. Guys, please be praying. You know, we go to Tampa every year. The Rileys are praying about going in June. And then Van just told me he's thinking about taking a team and Lee Summit. I almost fell out of my chair. I almost fell out of my chair. These are individuals I had the opportunity to invest in, right? That now see it the way, oh man. I mean, like, I, I, there's no words for that. <laughs> Glory to God, because I'm a baboon <laughs> and the Lord still gets use out of me. <laughs> and so last thing, but the word of God grew and multiplied and this is so easy. Acts 5.39, but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. I love that verse. That's just <laughs> sets fire to any other thoughts that you may have had about God's position on his plan. Proverbs 28.28 says this, when the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous 
increase. Man, and that's true. It's like the, the good come out of the woodworks and now it's like they're all ready to, to be at work. And so the takeaway here is very simple. The Lord is victorious. Notice I said victorious, present tense. Not will be, not has been, is. This is why his authority is the, is the, is the only authority that really matters. Because he's already won. He's not fighting for position. He's not trying to get in the right space to make sure that you see him for who he is. No. He's clear. He's out there. Man, what Calvary is and how it looks, you, we could see it from anywhere in the world. That's the beauty of it, right? And so, man, I just love how this simply ends. In these last two verses, the way it ends, it's like it's business as usual for the Lord, <laughs> Right? We had all of this big thing, James is dead and Peter's in prison and we got people knocking on doors and not answering them and running and calling people crazy and all of that happened. And the Lord at the end of this whole thing is like, but the word of God grew and multiplied. One sentence and then the next verse. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, took with them John whose surname was Mark. I mean, we couldn't have capped that any better because here for the Lord, it is business as usual because he's in control. And so my conclusion is this, we have seen a man that God allowed to rule abuse his position by not giving glory to the one true God. And I'm just begging you to not do the same thing. You gotta give glory to where it's due. You gotta submit to the authority that God has placed over you. It's a protection. Man, you got to understand that you've been deployed and you've been placed in certain circumstances and at work and in your neighborhood and in your family so that you can do what it is that God is telling you to do. Disrupt their lives with truth. And I'm not, I don't have to argue with them. I just have to live it. And when the Lord gives me opportunity, I open my mouth. I'm ready. Man, and not let my testimony just be destroyed constantly by me always having to have my way. I don't have a way. My way is the Lord's way. That makes sense? And so with that, let's pray. Cause I wanna just invite you into a space and place where we can kind of consider that this morning and go forward. Man, I love y'all. And I love just seeing your beautiful faces. I love what this class has turned into. Man, you guys are great. And so, <laughs> amen, that's the right answer. <laughs> that's the right answer. But man, let's just pray so we can, so we can get everything God has for us this year. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much just for the truth of your word. And Lord, as we just considered this morning, Lord, you are the one that's truly in charge. Lord, you are sovereign. Lord, thank you for your desire to be close to us. Father, help us to just rightly understand and, 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 and just know what our place in the world is so that we don't, we don't feel like we have no place. Lord, we know better according to scripture. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our lives and how you're changing and transforming us and you're getting us together and giving us structure. And Lord, we don't glory in those activities or those things. We just, we just wanna say thank you for you being at work in our lives. There are people here in Bible studies that haven't been. There are people coming and they're inviting. Lord, people are sharing the gospel. People are doing the work in their neighborhoods and. Father, it's all to your praise and glory. Thank you for using us. 
And so, Lord, would you just continue that? Would we stay on that trajectory that we would just be bought in, that it wouldn't be about a position that we can obtain or even a viewpoint, but that we would just simply be okay with being faithful? Lord, because being faithful is more than okay to you. And so, Father, help us to just see it rightly. Lord, help us at work to remember whose authority we work under, whose authority we're married under. Lord, even if to some degree, if we're children and how we honor our parents, Lord, there's still just a structure there. Lord, help us to be mindful, not disrespectful, to see people, the unseen, that we would greet them and meet them, encourage them, thank them. Lord, help us to just be uh, uh, instruments that are truly Christ-like in this world. Lord, I, I pray that none of us would tread down the path that Agrippa did. Lord, what a cautionary tale his life is. What a shame. Lord, please spare us that. And let us move into a, a, a just a different space of contentment with you, satisfied with you, thankful for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.